The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith Hill, that's who we are. And uh, are you excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Well, today is our Vision Sunday. We like to talk about uh, our vision as Faith Hill Church. We like to share our vision uh, annually. We like to remind each other uh, why we exist. It's very important uh, for everyone to know the reason for our existence. And I believe that it uh, just helps you see where you fit in the big picture. Because I genuinely believe that every single one of us have a part to play. Amen? Uh, God has called every single one of us, at least those of you who are uh, a part of the family here at Faith Hill Church, to be a part of uh, this family. And I believe He has given you something uh, that you can bring uh, 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 to the vision uh, to leave an imprint of your own fingerprint on the vision so that when after all is said and done, we can change the community uh, together. I was talking to uh, my mentor the one time and he said to me, he said to Farah, one of the questions you ought to consistently and constantly ask yourself uh, in ministry is if our church was to disappear from the face of the earth or from our community, would anyone notice? And, and he asked me that question many years ago and at the time, I wasn't sure that anyone, anybody would notice because it was about six or seven of us, eight of us at the time. Uh, but today I can assure you that we're making an impact globally and we thank God for that. We have opportunities to minister to people in here and minister to people uh, uh, beyond uh, uh, these four walls. And it's just so exciting to see what the Lord is doing uh, with the vision that he has given us. He has given us uh, this vision to run with and we like to share uh, with everybody because uh, the Bible says this in Proverbs 29 verse 18. Uh, I'm going to read that verse. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. It says, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So vision keeps us focused. Amen. Uh, the reason we want to share the vision and remind each other of the faith your vision is so that you and I can be focused. We can be focused on what God has called us to do. I mean, it's easy to get distracted. Look at what they're doing over there. Oh man, it looks like the, the grass is greener. Maybe we should try that. That's how people live their lives. But how many of you know that God has not called us to the ministry of copy and paste? God has called us to the ministry of receiving a vision from him and run with it so that we can make a difference with the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? So if you read the same Bible verse in the NIV, uh, it says where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Amen. When there is no vision, uh, people lack discipline. Uh, if you read it in the New Living Translation, it says, Where there is no vision, people do not accept divine guidance, and they run wild. Now, as Faith Hill Church, 
We don't want to be ill-disciplined. We don't want to cast off restraint and just run around like headless chickens. We don't want to uh, lack divine guidance and run wild. What we want to do is be focused and have a, a focused effort on the vision that God has called us to. Amen. And I believe that this vision is going to make a difference to every community that we plant a faithful church on the face of the earth. If you read in Habakkuk, uh, chapter number 2, verse 2, uh, it says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision down, make it plain upon tablets, that he may run that readeth it. So here's an instruction from the prophet Habakkuk to write the vision down. Make it plain uh, so that whoever sees it can understand it. But beyond understand it, they get ignited. Uh, they get stimulated to want to do something about it, to want to run, get passionate and do something about that vision. Amen. And so these are the, some of the reasons why we always love to share uh, our vision as a church. And so faith your church vision can be summed up in three words. Who knows those words? I think a few of you may know those words. Number one. Oh, they're all there behind you. They were there? Oh, man, you went on ahead of me. Oh, it's too late. Praise God. Anyway, that's, that's our vision encapsulated in three words. We can read them together. The first one, word and transform and engage. And so this is what God has called us to do in every community that we plant a faith in church. He has called us to teach the word. But how many of you know that the word is Jesus? So he has called us to represent Jesus in every community that we go into. It doesn't matter which faith or church you visit. Uh, right at the center of everything that we do is going to be our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen. And so we get to worship Jesus. We don't get to worship a program. We don't get to worship each other. We get to worship Jesus. That's why the song said, uh, worthy is your name, Jesus. Not worthy is your name, Tabo. <laughs> Amen. Because right at the center of everything we are called to do as the church is supposed to be Jesus. So everything we do is going to be centered around Jesus. But how do you do that practically? You do that by centering it around his word. Because Jesus and his word are one. John chapter number 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God. If you continue reading that scripture, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst them, and they comprehended Him not. So Jesus and His Word are one, just like you and your Word are one. If your Word is good, then you are good. If your Word is not good, you ain't good. Amen. I said amen. And so we love to center everything around uh, Jesus. And so uh, every year we get to uh, a camp around the vision of Faith Hill Church and uh, just kind of remind each other so that whatever you do, whatever you feel God has called you to do within the community, you can always check uh, with the pulse of the vision that God gave us to see if it fits. Because it's going to be very important to see if it fits. I was saying in the first service, you know, I get to be one of the guest speakers at uh, Caris Bible Colleges 
uh, uh, in the world, and I get to uh, uh, do that. It's a privilege that God has uh, afforded us. But here's what comes with it, with speaking as a guest speaker, is that every year you have to renew uh, your, your, your position or your privilege to be a guest speaker at Caris Bible. So every year we get to send in our profile again with your picture again, with a sermon again, so that someone can look into it to still see if it flows and if it's in line with the pulse of why the college was started way back in 1990-something. So every year, all the guest speakers, we have to send in our profile. They check it out. Andrew himself listens to that. Oh, man, he listens to that stuff to see if it's in line with what he wants the school to be teaching. What is that about? It's a great school. I thought anything went. It's just grace. It's all by grace. We should just be able to do what we want. Oh, no. It has to be what we want in line with the vision. Otherwise, we're not going to accomplish much in the earth realm. So everything has to be in line with the pulse of the vision that God has given us. Talking about the word, if you read in Second Peter chapter number 1, from verse 18 to 20, the apostle Peter, uh, Jesus, and the other disciples went up the mountain, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, and there there was such a, uh, a, a supernatural occurrence that transpired. Uh, scripture tells us that Jesus was transfigured. And it was a supernatural thing that happened that with their own eyes, they beheld Jesus' raiment or his clothes become as white as light and his face began to shine as the sun. They saw it with their own eyes. And they heard a voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. They heard it with these two ears. And so the apostle Peter talks about that. Uh, uh, happening in verse 18 and he says this voice which came from heaven we heard it he didn't say we heard someone that heard about no he heard it when we were with him in the holy mount but he goes on to say in verse 19 for you and i we have a more sure word of pro what could be more sure than hearing it with your own two ears the reason why he says we have a more sure word that is more uh, real than that which took place at the Mount of Transfiguration is because your five senses can deceive you sometimes. Man, you can go to a rock concert and get butterflies in your stomach and you can get goosebumps and mistake that for the anointing. In fact, sometimes when I'm watching the best football team in the world, Arsenal, I get goosebumps. Man, I get a spiritual experience. Like, ooh, that was, ooh, yeah. <laughs> ooh. But without the word, you can easily be deceived. And this is why the word of God has to be the compass of everything that we do. We always go back to the See, at Faith Hill Church, you can't show up with a spray of doom and trust. Hey, where did you get that? Show me in the word. Particularly in the New Covenant, the New Testament. Amen. Amen. And so we want people to be established in the word. So the very first thing we want to do when someone gets born again and they walk into the building, they walk into any faith or church, is to give them the word. Because we know that if we can give them the word and if they receive it and start to partake of it, they're going to go to the next uh, uh, phase of the vision, which is they're going to be transformed. Amen. Faith through church, we are all about transformation. We are all about seeing people's lives changed. 
And this is why we only measure success by the transformed lives. We don't measure success by the number of people that come to our services. We don't measure success by the amount of money in the bank account or by how big the budget is. The only litmus test that we use uh, to measure our success is uh, people's lives being changed. Is anyone getting any transformed? If people stop being uh, transformed, man, we, 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 got, we may as well stop doing what we're doing. We may as well turn this into a pub, get some uh, beers, and get, turn it into a bowling alley. Do something else. If people's lives are not being transformed, it is not worth it. And so when someone walks in, we give them the word and we take away all the excuses for someone to get the word because we know that it's the word that's going to bring about a transformation. And we've seen so many different stories uh, of transformation. We're going to read a few of them uh, for you uh, up on the, on the screen, uh, a few of our you know, uh, testimonies that we got from some of our campuses. And uh, we're going to start with this one. This is uh, a lady called Lisa Wentworth. Uh, from New Hampshire, and she says, I was introduced to this ministry via YouTube. I received so much freedom from hearing the word through the finished work. I believe that word there is work, and new covenant lands taught by Faith Hill Church. So one of the things she's saying she experienced was freedom from religion, and it only comes through the word. Amen. Amen. Yesterday we were talking to some people who graduated Caris, and one of the things that stood out from a few that I talked to was just freedom from bondage. Yeah. I mean, I got to hear some of the crazy stories. People say, man, we used to go up Mount something to go and pray, Mount Olive. It's got to have olives in it, you know, so, so, so it's got the anointing. They used to walk up some mountain to get closer to God. Man, when you hear the true word of what Jesus paid for at the cross, it's going to set you free from all of that. I mean, people are talking about they'll set the alarm and have to wake up at midnight. And if it's not midnight, you've already missed your blessing. As if, man, man, they treat God like he's already ticked off. Like God is already, he's sitting there like, okay, I'm not even trying to bless you. But if you really get in the word, you realize you're already blessed. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And if you are blessed, you are uncursable. Because the blessing and the curse cannot coexist. Just like darkness and light cannot coexist. Remember the prophet for hire in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers? He tried to curse the children of Israel, but because there was a blessing on them, every time he opened his mouth, he would pronounce a blessing. And after four times of trying, he turned around and he said, How can you curse whom God has blessed? It's futile to try and curse something that God has blessed. And so the word brings freedom, which brings transformation. Amen? I said, amen. Another transformation story. We're going to read maybe three or four of them. This one is from uh, uh, Johannesburg South. Uh, this is Carol, she says. For me, it means family. Just being a part of Faith in Church, she says it means family, fellowship as we grow together in Christ. Next up. This is Ulandi Brewer. She is uh, uh, Greg's daughter in, I used to say, Kansas. It's actually Arkansas. <laughs> She's in Arkansas, and she says, 
<laughs> Pastor Tavares' teaching was so rich in truth and life that it literally poured life and light into my very dark situation. I really used to say Arkansas, you know, and people say, where is that? In the U.S. They say, no, it's not. Okay, next one. This one is really special because, you know, we used Pastor Trevor uh, over there. He relocated to Australia, and now he came back to get a wife. He's married now. He's married. Praise God. Amen. He used to run all our finances before he went back to Australia. And when we planted the church in, in Durban, I mean, requests were going in like it's out of fashion. He's getting requests for accommodation, for transport. He's calling me saying, man, these are too many requests. What, where is this money uh, uh, going to? It was going to a church plant uh, in Durban. But stories like this make all that money going to a church plant in Durban worth it. Because this couple had been waiting 15 years to conceive so that they could have their own uh, baby. And, you know, the doctors had given up on the, on the situation and told them, naturally, it's not going to be possible. And so we send a team to go and plant the church, Pastor Henry, Pastor Dance, and their team that go out to plant churches. They went out, planted the church. They came, laid hands on them, uh, spoke the finished work of the cross. And within a few months, they got pregnant and they gave birth to the baby that they're holding in the picture. A baby girl. And these are some of the transformation stories that get us excited. Amen? I said amen. Do we have another one? Okay, one more. Chester and Tina, these are my good friends uh, from England. They said, uh, we regularly keep up with the sermons and the books and have loved how the teachings have been so easy to understand and relevant to us. We've enjoyed sharing the principles of some of the teachings with those around us. Now, this one is an interesting story because Tina, the wife, was into this midnight prayer thing. I don't know the name of the guy. These books, that, I mean, it's just crazy. And I'm trying to tell them, you know, there's a finished work of the cross. And what you got to do is learn to rest in that. She's saying, no, I can't rest. I've got to work. I've got to get it. And I mean, the, the, the deliverances for these kind of curses and then deliverances for another one and then deliverances for another one, for job, for this, for that. Man, after you finish doing all of that and still not get results, you should at least sit down and say, man, that was a waste of time. And then, you know, she found out the truth about how Jesus has already paid for it at the cross. Remember, everything points back to who? Jesus, it never points to any, any one of us. It always points back to Jesus. I may have said it jokingly, but I think it's something to really think about. We don't worship each other. Never should. We should always and only worship Jesus. This is why my preferences don't matter. Your preferences don't matter. The songs we should really sing are the ones that just glorify and honor Jesus. Every now and again, we're going to sing songs that reinforce who you are in Christ and talk about your identity. But the majority of the time, it's always going to be siyabonga jesu. And we glorify Jesus. Amen? Someone once went to this guy, Francis Chan. Uh, uh, he's in America, he's a televangelist, and said to him, hey, Francis, today I didn't really enjoy worship. And Francis turned around and said, man, that's great, because we were not worshiping you. <laughs> See, that's not a problem, because I think, you know. <laughs> and 
And I think it comes with, with maturity. I'm not going to do that. I mean, I think that's a little extreme. But here's the deal is that when you get in the Word, you're going to get transformed, right? So what do you do after you get transformed? What do you do with all that transformation? The third and most important part. So when someone walks in, they're going to walk in a spiritual baby, get the Word, get transformed. And this is where all of us, this is the destination where all of us should aim to reach. And this is engage. So what that word engage simply means is everyone. Someone say everyone. Everybody has a part to play. Church is not a cruise ship. Church is a battleship. The difference between a cruise ship and a battleship is you get on a cruise ship to be served and to be pampered, you know, you kick off your shoes and they give you a massage and they love on you and so on and so forth. You get on a battleship to get all hands on deck. That's the difference between church and religion. Religion doesn't give people an opportunity to express their God-given anointings and talents. This is the truth, is that God has given every single one of us something to do in the kingdom of God so that we can change people's lives. It doesn't matter who you are. God has called you to do something. Amen? And so how do you engage? We have what we like to call the four pillars uh, of uh, engaging at Faith Through Church. The first one is you engage through serving others. And this one is probably the toughest one. You know, you really learn about uh, ministry and about leadership in, genu- in, in, in general. Uh, I was going to say in January. You can learn that in January. In general, <laughs> man, I need coffee. Praise God. I went to sleep late last night. We were at Kairos Bible College. Uh, you get to learn about leadership in, gen- gen- in general through serving others. It's probably one of the toughest things you'll ever get to do in ministry is to serve others. You see, one thing I learned very early in the ministry is no one gets to be boss in ministry. (laughs) We are all called to serve. Amen? If you don't believe it, listen to this. Matthew chapter number 20 uh, from verse 25 to 26. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles load it over them. God hasn't called it to load it over others. God hasn't called us to boss people around. God has called us to do this. Watch what he says in verse 26. Yet it shall be not so among you, but whoever desires to become great. Anybody desires to become great? Anybody desires to do something with their life? Here's what you should do in the kingdom. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant or let him learn how to serve. Many, many years ago, I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, pastoring would have been easier if it wasn't of people. I mean, it would have been easier if I was just pastoring me. Because, I mean, I still even have to pastor my own children. It's a a work and a half. Amen? And you can't... See, ministry is one of those things you can't fake it until you make it. You can't fake the funk. Because people have real problems. And here's the big one. People are real crazy. (laughs) People are crazy, man. And so how do you learn to sharpen the rough edges 
of your life to become a sharp leader in ministry, you do so by learning how to serve others. Serving others is just going to humble you. It's going to teach you some things about life that are very important. I, I always laugh at young guys when they see a guy like Andrew Womack and they say, man, I want a ministry like Andrew because he's got a, a building uh, in uh, Colorado that's worth over 150 million U.S. dollars fully paid for and stuff, and people just show up, hey, I want that ministry. And so what I've learned to do when I see a mega ministry or a mega gift in the body of Christ or someone who's really making impact, what I've learned to do is to go back at least 35 years of their life and start studying them there. And what I learned about Andrew is that in 1965, he used to show up with his own uh, acoustic guitar, with his own cassette uh, recorder, into a meeting, and you'd go and plug it in and set up the whole wiring and stuff, and then people would come in, you'd greet them, you'd become the usher, straight after becoming the sound man, you'd become the usher, greet them, and in fact, most of the people would be surprised, it's the same guy preaching that was setting up the equipment, and then you'd come to the front, pick up the acoustic guitar, lead worship, after he finishes, you'd preach, and after he finishes preaching, you'd get the tape, go home, duplicate the cassettes, then package them, then go to the post office so you could ship them because they were already shipping uh, cassettes for free. And in the middle of the process, sometimes they would run out of money. And then you would go back and wait until we have, they have money in the account, duplicate some more tapes, and go to the post office and ship them. What was he doing? He was serving to become great. And every man, that's great. Here's the truth. In the kingdom of God, you're going to have to learn how to serve. And you get to learn how to serve by getting your hands dirty. One of the things I learned in the ministry is, Tafara, if you're going to keep the shirt on, you're going to have to learn how to roll the sleeves up. I ain't afraid to work. You know why? Because ultimately when we go to heaven, God is going to look at all of us and say, well done, my good and faithful pastor. Oh, no. Well done, my good and faithful what? Servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So all of us are, are called to serve. And one of the ways you can engage in the vision is start learning how to serve others. It's going to teach you a few things about uh, life. Amen? Some real good lessons uh, that you need uh, when it comes to life. How many of you know that you can't really serve uh, if, if, if you are not developed in the fruit of the Spirit. For example, because in dealing with people and serving people, someone is going to frustrate you. <laughs> and this is why, you know, Pastor Henry and the leadership team that, you know, uh, are always out there looking for leaders and developing people, looking for pastors and life group leaders and so on and so forth, they are always looking for someone who can carry the capacity uh, that leadership is. We're not just looking for someone who can get the job done. Because there are some people who can get the job done, but when you show up to see what they've done, you also see their dead bodies, dead bags, of dead lying everywhere. Because they were cussing out everybody. They were bossing people around. They were hurting feelings. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for somebody who also has leadership skills. Somebody who also has the love of Christ flowing through them. Someone who also has the fruit of the Spirit flowing through them so that they can minister while they're doing the work. So the work is not as important as the person. 
The person is more important than the work. So serving is a part of uh, the four pillars of engaging. The second pillar that we love so much at Faith Your Church is discipleship, also known as life groups. And if you read in Matthew 28, uh, Jesus instructed us to go into all the world and make disciples. And so at Faith Your Church, we take that very seriously. God has called us to make disciples. He hasn't called us to make converts. Amen? I said amen. I mean, the church has gotten comfortable at the realm of converts because, you know, I think sometimes it's because we like statistics so much. You know, you go to Four Ways Mall and you get people to repeat after you the prayer of salvation and they get born again. And then you come to church on Sunday morning and you say, man, we went on this trip and we got 50 people to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And people say, yeah, that was awesome. We got 50 people. But here's the reality. The reality is, when someone comes into the kingdom of God, it is as a baby coming into the world. The work doesn't end when they say the prayer. The work actually begins when they say that prayer. What kind of work, Tafara? The work to disciple them. And discipleship is work. Discipleship is an investment. And this is why it is not popular in the kingdom of God. Discipleship gives you and I an opportunity to love on people, journey with them, and watch this, change their diapers. Hallelujah. And feed them milk, a little bit of milk, and just talk to them with baby talk. You know you really want to have a proper conversation with them, but you know who you're dealing with. So you have to come down from your high horse and start talking to them at their level. What do I mean by that? We know you have deep revelations. We know that. We know you can uh, talk about the eschatology and the end times and all these deep things. But when it comes to discipleship, it has to go all the way back to ABCs. It has to come all the way back to uh, uh, discipleship 101. You know, and you have to reduce, uh, almost uh, bring yourself down to people's level so that you can walk with them, love on them, and take care of them. Amen? That's what discipleship is about. I was in India in 2014. And uh, I was in Mumbai, and uh, if you've ever been to India, Mumbai, you'd have noticed this, that, you know, the taxis, uh, uh, almost every taxi in Mumbai, India, has a little uh, uh, elephant on the dashboard that's got a little umbrella on top of it. So I couldn't, I couldn't stop to notice that almost every car that I saw uh, had a little elephant with a little umbrella on top of it. So this one guy came to pick us up from our airport, uh, from our hotel. He was going to take us uh, to some place. And uh, while we were driving there, I just had to ask. So I said, brother, what's up with this little elephant? And he said, oh, this guy here? I said, yeah. He said, oh, that's my God. I said, word? <laughs> he said, yeah, that's my God. So I thought this is a perfect opportunity. Like the Apostle Paul, I'm going to say, have you heard of the unknown God? So I said, have you heard of Jesus, the Christ of Nazareth? And the guy said to me, oh yeah, I've heard of him. He's a good Lord and I have him too. <laughs> and my lightning fast mind realized, you know what? 
I couldn't transact him into the kingdom of God. Because there is no such. It's always discipling into the kingdom of God. So I needed at least six months with the guy to show him Jesus is the only way to the Father. No one goes to the Father except through one Jesus. Not Jesus and the little elephant. But here's the opposite of that. I could have said, you know what? Actually, all you got to do is say this prayer after me. And then I could have come back home and said, you know what? I was in India there for business. I led seven people to the Lord. <laughs> and people would be like, man, you are the man. You led how many? Seven. No, I didn't really lead them because it's not converts, it's disciples. Now, here's the deal. Here's the truth. Discipleship costs money. And discipleship costs time. So if you're going to be a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior, man, you're going to have to make a decision to sometimes inconvenience yourself. And say, you know what, on Thursday evening from about 7 to 8, I'm going to uh, clear out my calendar to teach others about something that I already know and I'm established in, and truth be told, I don't really need. That's discipleship. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. It's going to inconvenience you a little bit, but it doesn't excuse the fact that Jesus gave it as a great commandment. We call it the great commission. Go into all the world and make disciples. Unfortunately, the great commission has become the great omission. Jesus gave it as a commandment. This is what you and I is supposed to do. And so as Faith Church, we've simplified that process. You get to do that uh, through life groups. You can, anybody can lead a life group. Amen? I said amen. And the third uh, leg to our four pillars of engage is missions. Faith Hill Church, we are missions driven. We are always externally focused and we are always looking to plant new churches and to develop leaders who will go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. And the final and the fourth leg of uh, uh, how you can engage is generosity. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 7, I'm reading in the New Living Translation, it says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And here's our our desire, and here's our ultimate goal. I want you to pay attention now. If you're not paying attention, this is very important. We believe that if you engage in these four pillars that we have set out and we've given people an opportunity to engage in, you're going to be developed into a fat, solid leader. I say the word fat is an acronym for you're going to be developed into a faithful, solid leader. An available, solid leader, and a teachable, solid leader. And when you are developed into that, let me be the first one to tell you, God will use you mightily. God is not looking for extravagant vessels. He's just looking for available vessels. God is just looking for anybody who is available to do anything. Someone who just say, Lord, send me. Man, if you are that kind of person, God will use you mightily. 
some of our campus pastors, you know, they just showed up and they said, man, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to stand on, on his word. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to love on people. And by accident, they wound up being campus pastors and leading other people. They just committed themselves to be available to do anything. And Chipo and I, as your pastors, we lead by example. We're always available to do anything. Just this last Wednesday, you know, Marshall and I and Chipo uh, came to the building because we found out we were going to be in Durban until uh, late evening, and then we were going to go to Caris uh, for graduation to celebrate, and we, no one was going to have enough time to come here for setup. So guess what we did? We came Wednesday evening, and we came in here. I mean, this place was a mess. Uh, we moved around the chairs, set it up. Put up the banner. Just make sure you gotta do. You gotta be available to serve. And when you are available to serve, child of God, I cannot even tell you how much opportunities are gonna start flowing your way. Amen. All God is looking for is someone who is available. Amen. So that's our vision as Faith Hill Church. We are called to do two, three things. Number one, word to bring transformation. So that every single one of us can engage in the kingdom of God. Amen. I said amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. We